Hi, I'm Nancy Cavey, National ERISA and Individual Disability Attorney. Welcome to Winning Isn't Easy. Before we get started today, I have to give you a legal disclaimer required by the Florida Bar. This podcast is not legal advice, but nothing is going to prevent me from giving you an easy-to-understand overview of the disability insurance world, the games that disability carriers play, and what you need to know to get the disability benefits you deserve. So away we go. We've been talking about the disability insurance application process and all the forms that have to be filled out. The application form, the attending physician statement form, the work history form, the occupational forms that you're going to be filling out, and those blasted activity of daily living forms. In the next four episodes, I'm going to be talking about the field interview. There are 24 types of questions you could be asked during a field interview, and I'm going to cover six each week. If you get a call for a field interview, you are being set up for a claims denial. You need protection from yourself and from the disability carrier. So are you ready to learn more about the field interview and hear the first six mistakes that you can make? Great. So here are our topics. Number one, an introduction to the not-so-social friendly visit from the disability carrier, an overview of the field interview. Number two is going to be traps one through six that are waiting for you in that field statement and how you can avoid making a mistake that will destroy your claim. So before we get started, we're going to take a quick break, and I want you to stay tuned and join me back in a minute. Have you been robbed of your peace of mind from your disability insurance carrier? You owe it to yourself to get a copy of Robbed of Your Peace of Mind which provides you with everything you need to know about the long-term disability claim process. Request your free copy of the book at kvlaw.com today. Welcome back to Winning Isn't Easy. I'm going to first give you an introduction of the not-so-friendly social visit from the disability carrier. Your claim, in my view, is in trouble if the long-term disability carrier or the ERISA carrier calls you and ask to take your statement or arrange for a field visit. In my experience, disability claims are generally denied for three reasons. First, there's no objective evidence of your diagnosis. Two, there's no objective evidence of your disability. And thirdly, there's no causal relationship between your disability and your inability to engage in your primary occupation or any other occupation. So, The carrier wants to take your statement or arrange for the field visit because they're questioning what your doctor has said about your restrictions and limitations and what you're reporting on your activities of daily living forms. They're questioning your credibility, your honesty, and they're questioning your inability to engage in your primary occupation or any other occupation. Now, unfortunately, By the time the long-term disability carrier has asked to take your statement or arrange for a field visit, they've probably done surveillance on you. And I'm going to talk about surveillance in some uh, later episodes. They want to interview you and have you describe your activity. And once you've done that, they'll have you sign a statement about your activities. And as soon as you've signed that statement, they're going to spring that surveillance tape on you. And then they're going to ask you to comment on the tape. They want you to acknowledge the difference between the statements you just gave, what's shown on the tape, what you've told the doctor, and what's on your activity of daily living forms. They're then going to take that information to your doctors and say, look, 
You, doctor, relied on what they had to say in rendering opinions regarding restrictions and limitations. And obviously what's shown in the surveillance and what they're saying is not consistent. So don't you agree that your patient is capable of engaging in at least sedentary work and in fact could go back to their own work? They've sprung a trap on you for the purposes of portraying you as a malinger or a fraud. And the sole purpose is to deny and terminate your benefits. It's my strong recommendation that if you've been asked to give a statement or the carrier wants to have a field visit, that you immediately, immediately retain an experienced uh, disability attorney. Now, why? You need to be prepared. You need to have someone who will discuss with you the questions that are going to be asked, prepare you, and be present because you don't want to be asked open-ended questions. You want to make sure you've practiced this and that your answers ultimately are accurate and truthful. And you want this statement to be done in a neutral location. I never, ever, ever allow for a statement to be taken or a field visit done at my client's home. Why? I often see statement summaries with questions and comments about how the house looks so clean and beautiful, how the yard looks, how the cars are clean and what kind of cars there they are. Now, seemingly innocently, you might be asked how you keep up with your housework, how you keep up with the yard work. And you may give an information a question or an answer to that question that can be interpreted very broadly and in a way that the carrier is going to use that information to draw conclusions about your ability to work. So we've set the, the playing field, if you will, before we get started talking about the first six traps, let's take a quick break. All right. All right. Welcome back to winning isn't easy. We're going to talk about the first six traps that are waiting for you in your field statement and how you can avoid making a mistake that will destroy your claim. Now, mistake number one is giving a statement without representation. Hmm. Do you know what's in your medical records? Have you compared your medical records to what you put on your ADL responses? Do you know what questions you're going to be asked and how to answer those questions? Probably no. You need to be prepared for this statement. Now, it involves me or another attorney reviewing all your records so that we know what the doctor has said about your complaints, what your symptoms are, what you've told them about your activities of daily living. And we want to know what the doctor has said about your physical abilities. That also means that we get to review your activity of daily living forms because we're looking for inconsistencies. Now, I have a video uh, and a book that I ask my clients to review about statement preparation so they understand the process, what they're going to be asked and how to properly answer the questions. And I always insist that this statement be taken in a neutral place because mistake number two is letting the disability of rats visit your house. Now, this is not a social call. They're not coming to wish you well. They're not coming to uh, uh, offer you any assistance in returning to work. 
um, what they're doing is setting you up, as I've said, for a claims denial. Uh, I've seen lots of summaries where insurance companies uh, are, are taking these statements and the summary is self-serving and completely inaccurate. And what that means, of course, is that they are going to be making observations about you, um, your home, your car, your yard, uh, things that are going to potentially lead them to conclude that based on the appearance of your house, what might be uh, cooking on the stove, uh, the uh, appearance of your yard, how clean your cars are, that somehow you are able to work. And as I've said before, they probably are going to have surveillance on you probably several days before and several days after because they want to catch you doing something outside of your house, carrying in groceries, uh, stopping, um, making uh, numerous stops uh, as you're coming back to the doctor's office, going to the grocery store, going to the gas station, doing activities that are inconsistent with what it is you've had to say. Or worse yet, they may actually uh, catch you doing something outside like building a uh, porch like one of my clients recently did. Like, really? So um, we want to make sure that this uh, is a situation where we are uh, in a neutral location uh, and that you are prepared for the statement. Now, you're going to get questions about your medical condition. They're going to be asking you about what's your disabling medical condition and what are your symptoms. I think this is silly. You've been filling out statements about your condition on a regular basis. The carrier has had your doctor fill out attending physician statement forms at least probably once every three months. Can't the adjuster read? Now, you probably haven't seen what your physician has said in your medical records or how they've completed out the forms. And what this is about is to try to catch you in uh, discrepancies, uh, discrepancies about what your symptoms are, how those symptoms impact your ability to function, you complaining of different conditions that you uh, then then you can claim as being disabled, uh, or even different medical conditions that are discussed in your medical records. So again, you are going to be asked about what your symptoms are, and they're going to compare those symptoms to what it is that's reported in your medical records. And that question is a prelude to asking you what you can and cannot do. So the insurance company wants to see whether your complaints about your symptoms and your physical activity are consistent with what's in the doctor's notes, what you've put on the activity of daily living forms, and of course, any surveillance that they've done on you. So if you say, my symptoms prevent me from lifting, bending, or stooping because I have constant back pain, and they have videotape of you building a porch or a deck, hmm, you're in trouble, as you should be. But that's an extreme example. I've seen many times where disability carriers will, will go to unnatural extremes. What do I mean? Well, if you say your symptoms prevent you from uh, lifting and they have a picture of you lifting uh, a case of soda out of the back of your uh, trunk, does that really mean that you can engage in lifting of something that weighs more than a, a case of Cokes or a case of beer, and that you could do it on a repetitive basis and that, that you don't have to alternate sitting or standing or have to take a break. So we want to make sure that the disability carrier isn't taking innocuous statements and blowing them up 
into a, an ability to work. Now, that's a lot of crazy mistakes that we've covered so far. So I want you to take a few seconds to think about this. And we're going to take a quick break because we're going to come back and talk about the next three mistakes. So stay tuned. Are you a professional with questions about your individual disability policy? You need the Disability Insurance Claim Survival Guide for Professionals. This book gives you a comprehensive understanding of your disability policy with tips and to-dos regarding your disability application that will assist you in submitting a winning disability application. This is one you won't want to miss. For the next 24 hours, we are giving away free copies of the Disability Insurance Claim Survival Guide for Professionals. Order yours today at disabilityclaimsforprofessionals.com. Welcome back. Are you ready to cover the next mistakes? You didn't know that there were so many mistakes that you could make. Well, mistake number four is making mistakes in answering questions about why you can't work. Now, the disability carrier is going to ask you questions that sound familiar. How much can you lift? Can you bend at the waist? And how frequently? Now, look, everybody bends at the waist. How long can you stand? Well, of course, that varies from day to day and depending on your symptoms. How long can you sit at one time? Well, I've got to sit up and I've got to move around every 20 minutes. How long can you walk at one time? Hmm. I might be able to walk an aisle in the grocery store, but I've got to sit down or hold onto the cart. How much can you pull? Well, hmm. do you have problems with your memory or your concentration? Do you have to keep a list? Um, these questions are designed to establish that you're physically capable of doing at least full-time sedentary or light work. Now, remember, the game here is for the carrier to prove that if you are in a sedentary occupation, that you can, that you're functioning at least the sedentary level, or if you're at the uh, any occupation stage, that you can do at least sedentary work. And they're going to take your answers to these questions and say, "Look, we know that you said that the patient couldn't go back to their work, and that they had restrictions and limitations of." Uh, no more than uh, sitting 30 minutes at a time, uh, no more than um, lifting uh, 10 pounds. But doctor, in the course of taking this statement, they said something completely different than what they told you or what they've uh, said in their activity of daily living form or worse yet, doctor, we've got a picture of them doing exactly what they said they couldn't do. And they're going to ask your doctor to confirm that you can do your own occupation if it's sedentary, uh, or that you can do any other occupation in the, uh, based on a sedentary work capacity. Now, another mistake they've commonly made is to make broad and sweeping generic statements about your ability. Now, I gave you some specific examples of answers to some of these questions as I ran through this laundry list, but I prefer that my clients give specific examples of difficulties they're having how their abilities change based on their level of pain, whether they're having good days or bad days, the side effects of medication. So I like to give ranges with specific examples. And I make sure that the carrier understands it's just one example. It's not the only example. And then my client can do more on a good day than they can do on a bad day, but they pay for it the next day. Now, another mistake that... Uh, is made in answering these questions is to just focus on the physicality, sitting, standing, walking, stooping, bending, lifting. But 
Carriers rarely will ask in the, uh, these types of questions uh, whether you have to change positions, how long you can sit, whether you have to get up and move around, what position you're in, how long you have to be in that position before you return. Do you have to elevate your legs? Do you have to take naps because of uh, problems with fatigue or pain or side effects of medication? What's the level of functioning on a good day versus a bad day? Um, how long does it take you to recover from a bad day? So I want you to make sure that you just don't stop by answering the question by talking about your physical issues, but you talk about what we call the non-exertional limitations that you have, the things that I just ran through. All right, mistake number five is mistakes in answering questions about your treatment and medication. Look, disability adjusters can read and they should be held to their ability to read. They have access to your medical records. They know what you said on your activities of daily living forms. And yet you're gonna be asked questions about your treatment and medication. Now, hopefully you have a copy of your medical records and you've reviewed them. But if you're asked to tell them about your treatment, politely tell them to, and then tell them to review your records. No, I don't mean tell them to, I, I'm just joking there. We always need to be polite with uh, adjusters because ultimately, uh, they make the decision and there's no reason to be rude or to be disrespectful of them. But what they're after is information about how your condition has progressed, changed, impacted by treatment, including medication and how you're doing generally. But they don't really ask the question that way. You have the burden to show that you uh, have an objective basis of your diagnosis and your disability. If you're not recuperating fast enough, the carrier is going to re refer to your statements that you've made about your condition. They're going to argue that your doctor is relying on your subjective complaints just to prolong your disability. And the carrier's doctor, that liar for hire physician, who probably isn't a treating physician, is going to refer to a practice manual that says, if you have a herniated disc, the average recovery is X long and, of course, you've gone past that. And of course, you're not average, are you? The long-term disability um, carrier may ask about medication. And you need to explain the side effects of medication and the impact it's having on your functioning. So you might have problems with dizziness, fatigue, nauseousness, frequent urination, fuzziness, confusion, irritability, and a host of other side effects. Now, I think that you probably need to make sure that those complaints about your medication side effects are in the medical records, because if they aren't, the carrier and the carrier's doctor is not gonna believe that you actually have those side effects. Now, I can assure you that you're gonna be asked about other activities. Are you exercising? Are you swimming in the pool? Are you walking? Make sure that the doctor knows what it is you're doing and that you've got the doctor's blessing to do those activities. You don't want the, them to question whether those activities that your doctor told you to do are within the range of your physical abilities as documented by your doctor. Now, you also may be asked about any special equipment such as a cane or scooter. If you use them, fine, but please do not exaggerate the frequency with which you use them. Don't say that you use the cane all the time, every day, 24 hours, seven days a week, because I promise you I have a picture of you when you're not using the cane and they will portray you as a liar, a malinger, as a fraud. So remember, ranges, good days, bad days. Now, less obvious and often forgotten is 
questions about how you sleep, how much sleep you get at one time, whether you have to take naps, uh, and how sleepy you are during the course of the day. And the same thing holds true with uh, questions of uh, the use of a bathroom. Um, they just don't ask those questions, but those are not exertional impairments that are relevant. So clearly you can see that you need to be properly pre be prepared before giving a statement to answer those questions. All right, mistake number six, failing to properly answer questions about your restrictions and limitations. As I've said, one of the key reasons for taking your statement is to compare what you said on your activities of daily living forms with what you've told the doctor and with any surveillance. And the investigator who's taking your statement is going to be asking you questions about what you can and cannot do. If you don't fully explain but and don't exaggerate, um, you are going to be in a situation where there's a gotcha uh, because the carrier is going to say, look, you know, you, you said that you can't lift more than 10 pounds, um, but we have a picture of you putting that case of beer in the back of your, of your vehicle. Uh, and if you haven't fully explained how you were able to do that that day or how you paid the price of doing that, um, that might be a gotcha. Because then, as I've said, the investigator is going to ask you to sign a statement attesting to your physical abilities. Once you sign that form, they're going to pull out that surveillance, pop it into the computer, uh, and uh, confront you with the alleged discrepancy between what you said you could do and what the tape shows. So remember, this is not a social visit to see how you're doing. They're not there with flowers and candy to wish you well. I've seen too many cases destroyed by the lack of preparation and the lack of representation during this interview. People think that they don't need representation and they only learn the hard way once they've helped themselves destroy their claim. So please, please don't do that. So to recap six of the 24 mistakes that you should not make, number one, don't give a statement without representation. Two, don't let the rats visit your house. Three, don't mishandle questions about your medical condition. Four, don't answer questions about why you can't work improperly uh, by being overly broad or exaggerating. And don't make mistakes in answering questions about your treatment and your response to that treatment and medication. And don't blow it by answering questions about your restrictions and limitations incorrectly because there's an inconsistency that you aren't aware of or that you decide to exaggerate to impress the disability carrier. Okay, we're done for today's episode. Wow, a lot of mistakes, but guess what? We're not done. In the next episode, I'm gonna be talking about mistakes seven through 12 that you can make in your field statement. And these mistakes are gonna be a continuation of our discussion about restrictions and limitations. Got it? If you like this podcast, consider liking our page, leaving a review, and or sharing it with your friends and family. Remember, this podcast comes out weekly, so tune in next week for another episode of Winning Isn't Easy. Thanks.